0: My guest today is the executive chef and assistant general manager at the go-to barbecue joint in Houston, Gatlin's Barbecue. Please welcome, Michelle Wallace. Michelle, how's it going?
1: Everything's great, how about you?
0: Good. Everything's good. Good. Everything's good. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast, Michelle, I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Anytime. I reciprocate that. I, I appreciate you thinking of me and I'm looking forward to all of your questions and having <laughs> some fun with it. So.
0: <laughs> all right, let's do it then. Okay. Let's jump right into it. What do you do?
1: I am an executive chef and also an assistant general manager of, of Gatlin's Barbecue.
0: Okay. So executive chef, Yes. what what does that mean? What all do you do as an executive chef?
1: As an executive chef in any restaurant or any arena, basically you are the chief in charge of the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so your duties are to want staff, of course, food, making sure the production of food is in order and on point, making sure that you are looking at food costs, and recipe production time management when you're talking about personnel and yourself you're just the chief in charge of the kitchen
0: great okay all right and then what about the assistant general manager part of it so
1: the assistant gm the general manager he basically runs the whole entire operation Mm -hmm. i assist the general manager with that and we kind of in tandem make sure that the entire restaurant as a whole. So you're talking about front of the house staff, back of the house staff. You're talking about building maintenance. You're mm. talking about things that you need to have as far as certifications with the city, any mm. other uh, particular certifications. You're making sure that the fire systems and all this stuff are well. I mean, it's you're literally overseeing the building and then everything that is all encompassing within the building.
0: Oh, well, okay. <laughs> and now, <laughs> so... What got you into it? When did you get into cooking?
1: You know, I get asked that question a lot. And every time I think about that question, I really learn more about myself and kind of when things started. If you were to ask me several years ago that question, I <laughs> would have told you in college.
0: Mm, in college, okay. I was,
1: like most people, poor, broke. <laughs> I actually played softball in, in my undergrad years. And me and some of the softball girls and some of the baseball guys would pool all of our money together and we would just try to have these fabulous meals. Mm -hmm. And I was the only one who could seem to put stuff together, (laughs) make it taste good. (laughs) But then in doing that, it was definitely very much therapeutic. One, I had Mm -hmm. the, the... the want to learn about technique and stuff right. and at that time i just didn't really realize what that was but for me it was it was relaxing you had two-day practices and you had class and got in the kitchen to be creative that relaxed me i answer that question now and realize that even as a younger kid i actually had some food interest my dad was a big barbecue griller. I'm from the Midwest. And so he grilled all the time. And so I found myself always with my dad in the kitchen on the backyard grill and asking questions and stuff. So as I start to remember, I realized that it, it was even before college that I had those little things that sparked my interest with food. Got
0: okay. it. Okay. Wow. So, <laughs> so now college, you realize this is a route I want to go into. So what was your next step?
1: To be honest, after I graduated college, I have a bachelor's of science in healthcare administration. Mm -hmm. I actually went and worked in that arena for a while. And Mm. so I was always still just very much cooking on the side. And so the thing that kind of clicked was that People started paying me <laughs> for my food yeah. and I'm like, you know, oh, I don't do this. Like I would always preface it with like, you know, I'm not a professional. And then I started telling myself, well, yes, you kind of are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when people started to enjoy my product, things that I were producing and were willing to pay for it, to me, that kind of solidified what I wanted to do. I found myself happiest in cooking. I found myself happiest when I'm seeing somebody react mm-hmm. when eating my food. It's a high for me that I still get to this day. I served you a plate of food today and you enjoy it, like there's nothing else greater to me than Uh that feeling. So
0: nice. So you end up being a personal chef? I did. Okay. And did that for (laughs) a while and you were a personal chef for a very famous Texan player or ex Texan player now. Yes. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: yeah actually i cooked for several of the texans for a period of time some i probably don't even know the name but like i cooked for nate washington for a while him and his family but the most notable one was deandre hopkins yeah so he and i had a good time matter of fact i cooked a lot when his mom would come in town for him Mm. and that would be mostly when he would call Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But there were a lot of different athletes that I cooked for. My cousin actually played for the Texans for a little bit. And to be honest with you, you know, I didn't cook a whole I cooked for him, but I didn't cook a whole bunch. I cooked for a lot of his teammates at the time.
0: So But not for your cousin. (laughs) (laughs) So so now what made you go from being a personal chef to going over into the restaurant industry?
1: As much as I love to do it, I think athletes, just because I was an athlete, I think I, I understood what their goals were as mm. far as eating. Eating was a part of their training. Right. And and for me, as somebody who's creative, that can be somewhat limiting mm. in a sense of, oh, it's not a lot of high fats. It's not a lot of things outside of protein and veg. If I had somebody who was gaining weight, then we would introduce some higher carb product. But for me, it was just limiting in creativity. Mm. You know, I can get creative with vegetables and stuff and make them taste good. But a part of me wanted to work. I wanted to be able to make risotto. I wanted to be Mm. able to use some of your fattier foods and be creative with that. And so that was one of the reasons why I kind of tapped out into it.
0: Okay, that makes (laughs) sense. Yeah. All right. And so can you walk us through that journey afterwards?
1: So after personal chefing, I actually went to culinary school. So I was actually doing some of that prior to, and then culinary school happened and I continued after that. But then at that point, I'm in my 30s already. I felt like I was behind the curve. And so I tried to then go into a bunch of different arenas. I actually studied in China for a month during culinary school as well. So I got some overseas experience or different culture experience. I love Asian cuisine. It's probably my favorite. But I worked for a high-end catering company. I worked for Mark Holly at Pache. So you're talking about seafood there. I worked for Houston's restaurant. So you're talking about a major corporation who was big on systems. Mm. And so my goal was, was, okay, I'm in my 30s. You know, a lot of these people are much younger than me. I needed to be able to put myself in arenas to learn different things in a Mm -hmm. short amount of time and then kind of figure out how to utilize all of it and then go to the next step.
0: Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Yes. So you put it all together, got all those experiences, all those different areas and put it together. I like that.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and and all of them as today, as I'm running the kitchen at Gatlin's, I put it to use when the things I learned at the catering company, mm-hmm. I utilize the things that I learned at working for Houston's Hillstone with the systems in place. I utilize that just as somebody who's managing the staff working at Peshe, All those experiences definitely make me as an executive chef better.
0: So talking about that, utilizing those experiences, especially working for some of those chains like Houston's, how do you ensure promptness of orders when you're working with a restaurant that has so much business? Promptness of orders, but also making sure you're ensuring the quality and the freshness of the food. So how do you do that?
1: uh, That's tough. One is, is just being prepared. You have to be able to be prepared. And I learned that working at at Pache, working at the catering company, you have to be prepared. I have to be prepared to say, this is going to be our busiest day. It may not turn out to be, but at least I'm ready for it. So mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're prepped properly, if you have the tools that you need to get through the day, they're set and ready to go, and all you waiting on are tickets. men, at that point, you're just putting your head down and working the tickets, and then you find yourself in a rhythm. And that's when I tell my guys, they walk you know, I walk around and I'm snapping, but that's because I'm trying to find a cadence. And where are we on these tickets? And we are, mm-hmm. we're rolling it, you know, we all are communicating and we're talking, and it's, just, it's really like a dance. And it's so beautiful. A lot of times I'll take a step back and watch how efficient the staff is working mm. and that just warms my heart because mm. it's like, Okay, they're on it, they're on it, they're on it, they're on it, and they're producing tickets. And usually at that point you're having fun. And That's so you don't even realize that you have five thousand tickets. You <laughs> <laughs> right. get out in ten minutes. But somebody will say something that's funny and we're collectively together are having a good time and working through it together. And so right. at the end of it, we all look at each other, we take a deep breath and we smile <laughs> because we did it,
0: you know? Right, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So you talked about those experiences that you've taken up with the different places you've been to and also your culinary school. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about culinary school, just how that experience was, what you learned from it? And also, were you only doing that or were you working at the same time as well?
1: No, I was going to school and I was was working at the same time. And so I chose to go to culinary school in the wee hours of the morning. Mm. And then I worked during the later hours of the day. And I think my expectations in going into culinary school, I thought it was gonna be this super grand thing and that, you know, everybody was focused and like, look, we all had the same passion and it just really, it really was not that. If you can think about college and you had those people who would mess around in school and they weren't serious about it. Let's say you had your classes in your major Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my God, this guy's not paying attention. There was a lot of that. And so you had to set yourself apart with how much you wanted to take away from it just like in college you have to you have to seek the next level of information so the teacher has a syllabus and he's teaching you the routine of the class but if you want more you have to go and take more and so i used to take up my teacher's time i used to take up you know whatever after school i used to participate in whatever they offered as much as i could Mm. and so that was culinary school for me and i think going at the age that I went was a plus because I had already gone through undergrad. Mm-hmm. And so I knew what that looked like. I knew what wasting time looked like. <laughs> when you have a great semester, you're able to bounce back like, so I knew that going to culinary school was about time It's about money and I didn't have any of it to waste. And so I went in with an agenda and I came out as quickly as I could. So it didn't meet my expectations, but I did grab as much as I could grab while I was there
0: okay well, that's good and now as far as working in the different restaurants is i know it's great you were able to pick up so much from just how different they were but was it difficult also having to transition from one restaurant to another uh, type of foods that you're having to cook
1: it wasn't difficult in capability mm-hmm. uh, for me i just i always felt like I was kind of gifted in that arena. Okay. The difficult thing when you're talking about working in these different arenas is who you're working for and how they like it, mm. how they want things to be produced. And so it was just about learning different systems at different places and then learning why they put those systems in place and then producing what they want you to produce. Okay. And so there was very few rest, like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> working for some of these chefs is, is like what you see on TV. You don't get it right they are drilling into you (laughs) and I've, there've been times where I wanted to cry and I'm like, Oh my, I can't cry. I just got to figure this thing out. There've been times when I've lied about (laughs) knowing how to make something. (laughs) Can you whip up or whatever? And I'm like, holy crap, I don't know how to make this. And then you just have to figure it out. And so that was about thinking on the fly. That was about utilizing context clues Mm. and people around you. So you get all of that working with those different systems. And so that if you want to say was anything tough, it was that learning the
0: different systems in the different places. Right, right. Okay. So now, can you talk about what a typical day for you looks like?
1: Typical day. So Gatlin's Barbecue just recently added breakfast to Mm. our service. Mm. And so I basically have been like the leader. It took us almost like two years to implement this. So I'm all over it. So a typical day for me, I like to get in before anybody. So I'm usually the first one at the restaurant. I arrive at the restaurant about 4.30 in the morning and I walk in I see what kind of orders and stuff, if we have any any large caterings. I take a look at what our day is going to be like. I also come in. At that point, our briskets are already on a pit, so I'm checking the pit. I'm loading the wood in, making sure that's good to go. Once that's good to go, I bake biscuits and all that stuff and pastries and stuff for the breakfast service, so I get that out of the way, barbecue sauce. And then I have a little downtime once I get the pit loaded with food. I have a little bit of downtime because at that point, the, the food is just smoking. And then by this time, my staff is coming in. And so now I'm looking at any orders that I place, invoicing that I need to sort and organize. Do I need to place any orders? So a little bit of admin work there and then I'll come back out into the kitchen, kind of make sure the kitchen is flowing how it should be. Uh, At that point, I'm usually getting called, chef, I need this, or chef, I need that, or we got this or whatever, and I'm answering a bunch of questions. I'm also engaging in the staff because we set the tone as management, And we set the tone for the day. So I'm I'm checking in, hey, what you do last night? You know, making sure everybody's having a great mood so that we get through the day with a a great tone. So that's what I'm doing at that point. And then you start talking about service. At this point, we getting tickets in and we're knocking out tickets. Mm. And so we're busy until we close. So, but that's oh. a typical day. And then once we get through lunch rush, we regroup, we reload for the second half of the day. I place any orders that need to be placed as far as product coming in. Mm-hmm. Different days will vary. Sometimes the health department may come in, we'll handle that. Just just random different stuff, mm-hmm. beer ordering. You're literally touching four corners of that building and seeing what needs to be paid attention to. Wow. And then usually I'm out by one, two o'clock. It depends on what we have, but... Yeah, I usually put in somewhere about 10 hours a day, give or
0: take. (laughs) Now now some of this, the the 10 hours, or like you said, touching the four corners of the building, and it seemed like all the meetings that you have, were any of these surprises for you?
1: Mm, Yes and no. Mm. The surprising part was, this is a family owned, operated restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. And so the surprising part was, is that you have to be somewhat of a mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If something right. breaks, you don't have extra money to call somebody to fix it every single time. Right. So if you have to attend to a toilet that's not working properly, you have to tend to it. Right. If you have to figure out why the dumpster plug is not there and you have to tend to it. So a little bit of that was surprising only because the larger corporations just had money and departments for it. So you right. never had to touch it. Coming into this, you have to pay attention to it. So that would be the most surprising part. To be okay. honest, as you elevate in your position in a kitchen, you see less cooking <laughs> than mm-hmm. you normally would, yeah.
0: Right. So. Any, so any other surprises? And can you think of any misconceptions that other people might have about executive chefs?
1: But I have managed staff before. I want to say staffing is always prizes. You just never know who you're going to get. You're going to have people who are super, super dedicated. And for for that, you're grateful. You're going to have to determine who you need to drive more than the next person. You're going to have some some of your staff may be problems to you. And so in our industry, we, it's just a thing to have high turnover rate. You have right. to expect that once you get staffed up and you're like, great, I can focus on something else. And then somebody's gone or something happened. That's the toughest and most surprising part of it is mm-hmm. staff management Yeah, because you have to think about what's happening in their personal life and how it affects them at work. Okay but any misconceptions as an executive chef i think the misconception is is that we're in the kitchen and we're cooking a lot and it's just I, a lot of times yearn for just simply chop a vegetable in the back because it's much more peaceful. Right. <laughs> but like I said, you have to worry about all of that. You have to look at the invoicing and scheduling and mm. all of that other stuff. And so, yeah, we call ourselves the executive chef, but I swear it's, if your team isn't good, they're not representing you good. And so it's our team that makes us great. <laughs>
0: right. So. Right. Well, now some of the things you said, Seems like communication skills, leadership skills, of course, a passion for cooking, thinking on the fly, business skills. Some of those are some skill sets and characteristics that you would need to be an executive chef. But in your words, what skill sets and characteristics do you think are most important to be successful in your line of field?
1: Outside of actually having talent to cook. Mm-hmm. is is definitely time management. Mm. How do you manage time? And communication is everything. Yeah. How do you build relationships all the way around? How do you build relationships with your counterparts, your other management team? How do you build relationships with a person who's scrubbing your pot or wiping out your toilet to make them feel valuable so that they're doing their job well, even though they're just either scrubbing a toilet or washing a pot? Right. And those things are important those things are very important so you have to be able to communicate with those people so that everybody is feeling included and important at the jobs that they're doing and then time management you asked about how do we get tickets out in a timely manner you have to manage time (laughs) i get laughed at a lot because i'm a list kind of person like Mm. when i first get in i I jot a lot of things first of all i just jot things down all the time usually it's in a list formation and you know boom 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 i'm talking myself through my list through my day and it's about time management and you have to account for the unexpected mm. if, a, if a cooler goes out in the middle of while you're busy what are you gonna do you have to keep things cool just like you said you have to think on the fly you have to think quickly you you know if my time management is off an unexpected issue
0: can throw the whole day off you Right. Yeah, yeah i think
1: those are the most crucial
0: yeah, no, it makes sense. Especially you talked about the high turnover in the industry. Uh, having yeah. communication definitely yeah. sounds like extremely important. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. And,
1: and communicating with the customer.
0: Right. I didn't even forget that.
1: <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's on a whole nother level. <laughs> but I have, you have to be able to communicate with somebody that's from Acres Home and mm. somebody who's running this bank over here who has this million-dollar right. company can you do it and can you do it comfortably so and and i love that aspect too you don't get a lot of chefs who are front of the house people who would like to be engaged there are a lot of chefs that i've dealt with and met who are simply straight back at the house they don't want to mm. talk to people all i don't right. mind i love it
0: that's so, great that's yeah. great all right so talking about what you love uh, can you talk about what you love about what you do
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I love, I love being creative and food just allows me to do that. One, cooking and serving people is so rewarding to me. Mm. When you talk about you you having a non-for-profit and you're serving people, essentially something, whether it's knowledge, whether it's food, whether it's whatever it is that you're offering up to people. Ultimately, food is a great communicator amongst all people. Everybody has to eat. And so when a customer can eat a plate of our collard greens and then tell me a story as to why that relates to them or resonate with them on some level, ain't nothing like it. Mm. Like, I, I love it. I love it. When, a, when a, somebody from China who comes in with their family and they're eating a rib or something like that, and they have a story for me, why that is so good to them, what else it reminds them of?
0: Uh,
1: Mm. That's everything for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> so that's I why that. I love what I do because yeah. it, 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 re- it relates. We get all walks of life in our building, and everybody has a relatable story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. You could definitely see that you love what you do in your practice. So that's good. <laughs> now, what about, though, on the flip side? What type of challenges are out there for you or obstacles?
1: I think early on, just as a woman in the kitchen and being able to have a voice to where people listened was an initial hurdle. Coming out of high school, I definitely was shy, or like people in high school would see me and be like, oh my God, you're doing this now? <laughs> Even my parents, I have a twin sister. My twin sister was much more talkative and aggressive. I was just very chill and, you know, didn't talk a lot. But getting into this, it definitely pulled it out of me. You have to be able to, to have a voice and then have a voice that one, you knew what you're talking about so that people can trust what you're saying. And then you gain the trust of of your peers. And as a woman in the kitchen, you don't get that initially. Mm -hmm. You have to prove that. And so that was definitely, you know, I call it a hurdle because the men just get it off G. (laughs) So we have to demand that level of respect in the kitchen.
0: Well, you got it. You got that level (laughs) of respect. You demanded it and got it. So I I love it. Thank you. (laughs) So now- so your journey, you talked about, you went to culinary school. Before that, you were a personal chef. Mm-hmm. You put in your years as a chef in a restaurant business. Is that the typical role to get to an executive chef? Uh, you, guess, know, an executive chef. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. you know, everybody's avenue is going to be different. You know, I can't say that my way works for the next person. Okay, There could be somebody who comes in and they can be a line cook for years and then slowly progress up. I think it has to be something that you aspire to. All those things that we talked about, you gotta have leadership, you gotta be outgoing, you gotta you gotta have skills with time management, money management essentially, because you're talking about profit and loss and, and managing those skills. It's all encompassing. And just because you can cook extremely well and create a beautiful dish does not make you an executive chef. An executive chef is much more of a leadership role than a cooking role by by far. And if you don't possess those things, your role to that position could could never come. Yeah, so everybody's path is going to be different to it. And, and, and if you aspire to that, you actually have to take risk. You have to take opportunities. There was one time as a grown woman with a mortgage, I had to make $9 an hour. I had to wash dishes at some one point, but all of it was for the greater good of where right. I was going. And so if you're not willing to do all of that, you won't get it. You won't get it. So everybody's path will be different, but you have to define that path for yourself and then build great relationships with that. Yep. So um,
0: great words. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Now... Can you talk about one of your most memorable moments that you've had?
1: One of my most memorable moments. There was, oh, goodness. (laughs)
0: Let's
1: see. (laughs) I've had a few, but I guess one of the, several years ago, I was working for the catering company. Mm. And our kitchen was asked to host, matter of fact, it was when the NBA All-Star Game was here in Houston. I don't Mm. know if
0: you remember that year. Yes, I remember that. Well, they had
1: this East Coast, West Coast chef challenge there. Whoa. And our kitchen guy asked to host the East Coast Chefs. And the particular chef that was here was one of the chefs that I truly admire. So I got a chance to basically be a prep, <laughs> a prep awesome. cook for him. And then we end up going to this event, it was a Dwayne Wade's event. And so there was a bunch, it was star studded. I mean, I remember meeting Common and Queen Latifah. And of course I was still just like passing food and explaining food and they loved it all. But it was just a whole surreal kind of experience because I hadn't been in that arena. And right. so it was just super cool to, to say, you know, I cook for this and they
0: were all loving it. That's so awesome.
1: That's one of my most memorable. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> yes. who was the cook, the East Coast cook?
1: Uh is Eddie Wang.
0: Eddie Wang, okay Eddie Wang. All right. Yeah.
1: So and I actually got a chance to visit his restaurant one of the last times I was in New York. So it was cool.
0: That's great. Yeah. All right. So we're at the end of this interview, but uh cool. before we get there. So I have these quick hitter questions I want to ask you for fun. But before okay. we do that, just want to see if there's anything additional that you want to talk about or anything you think I might have missed asking you
1: no i mean you know being a chef and being in this industry is not for the faint of heart one of the tougher things and i think with anything in any arena in life you have to be willing to sacrifice Mm. and as i'm sure you know you're a very successful guy you have to surround yourself with people who truly truly love you because there are going to be times where you can't make time for them i can't make time you know for my my family or you have children you may miss some things in life you know you miss all things but who you surround yourself with that will definitely help propel you to go far and then stay the course you have to stay the course Mm -hmm. it's not easy it truly is not easy and if you put in the word you stay the course you stay a great person through it all you'll get far and never great. stop learning. You cannot stop learning. Mm-hmm. I buy books. I put myself in situations where it challenged me. And I like the feeling of being challenged because then now I have to figure it out. And <laughs> Greg would tell you, Greg is the owner of Gatlin's. So like, if something stumps me, I work to, to figure it out. So always feel challenged and always feel like you have room to grow. So
0: that's great. You should also be a motivational speaker too. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. Good. Good <laughs> All right, so let's go to these quicker questions. Okay. All right. So first question, what's your favorite sports team? Oh,
1: that's easy. The St. Louis Cardinals. I'm a big baseball fan. I'm from St. Louis, so they're my team.
0: Yep. Hey, best fans in baseball. F- yeah. <laughs> All right. Favorite movie or show?
1: Favorite movie or show? Favorite movie or show? Uh, probably Remember the Titans is a movie. Mm. I watch that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or And or Life. <laughs> life for the last. Remember okay. the Titans. Uh, Remember the Titans had some good, you call me a motivational speaker, they had some <laughs> good quotes in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright. And favorite musical artist or group? Oh, gosh. Do I
1: have to pick one? If I had to pick one, it would probably be Stevie Wonder. I love yeah. Mister Stevie. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: a good. Good choice. All right. Favorite vacation spot?
1: Napa Valley. Mm. I love it.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Not because I'm a wino, but kind of
0: sorta.
1: <laughs> <But> <laughs> the weather is nice yes. at the end of the year, and I mean, there's not a better eating experience to me in the states than Napa Valley. So. Mm.
0: And last one. Favorite food or drink?
1: Uh, that is a tough one. Favorite <laughs> food or drink? Would probably, I would probably say a steak of okay. some sort, probably a ribeye, but just because you can manipulate it and flavor it so many different ways.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, of course, a, a glass of cab if I had to choose a drink, a <laughs> cabernet.
0: Now, now, what about your favorite food to cook?
1: Probably either a steak or a piece of fish, actually okay. probably mussels or something like that. See, mm. I love seafood. Yeah. yeah. And I cook, I cook mussels all the time. It's like my go-to meal. Really? Or snack. <laughs> yes. It's a blank canvas, you know, you can yeah. season it and flavor it so many different ways. So, yeah.
0: That's great. Yeah. I love that. I love your creativity. So yeah, Thank you. yeah no problem. Now this has been great. I love the advice you've given the great advice and I love just your passion and your love of what you do. And, Thank you. and you talked about the risk that you took to succeed, to get to where you are. And yeah. I think that's so important. So, yeah. yeah. So Thank thanks you. a lot. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you having me
1: on. I can go a mile a minute about this whole thing, but that's <laughs> only simply because I love it.
0: Um, so yep. I
1: appreciate you. I appreciate you recognizing me and, and, and taking the time to ask me these questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No problem. And so, now, before we go, is there any way that people can find out about Gatland or, or reach out to you? Any questions?
1: Uh, my personal Instagram and Twitter is Queen the slices. And I know that's a weird title, but I was actually getting ready to open a food truck before I met Greg Gatland by mm-hmm. chance. And so it was going to be focused on sandwiches because I absolutely love a sandwich. I'm super creative with it, so it's called Between the Slices because okay. eventually I'll be utilizing that name for another project that I'm working on. <laughs> and so, or Michelle Wallace on Facebook. But Gatlin's Barbecue also has a page, so you can always check Gatlin's Barbecue for any kind of things or specials that we do. I do a bunch. One of the um, most amazing things is is that I partnered up with Greg Gatlin, and he's allowed my creativity to just kind of grow in Marina and so uh it, we do some really cool stuff so you guys should want to check us out check out my page check out Gavin's barbecue page and kind of see what we're creating next
0: Okay that's great and then yeah. i hate to do this but I do have one other question I wanted to ask okay. you that I, um, so you mentioned the now you have a breakfast and just your creativity so can you just talk about how that works that you coming up with new recipes or, or new items in the menu
1: So, you know, in a day and age where there's so many options, people have options to go to eat food, they can eat barbecue anywhere, and it's how can I be creative enough? to where it's not so far outside the box of being at a barbecue joint, if you will, but it's interesting enough to grab someone's attention. And so there are a lot of times Greg is like, mm-mm, that's too far, come back in. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's all about relatability. Like, what can I put out? We, during the whole coronavirus, we end up putting out a smoked chicken pot pie, pie. And when I tell you, Rodolfo, the first day we did it, we sold out in 30 minutes. Wow. And I was like, what in the heck does people like chicken pot pies like that? but it was all about relatability. It was something that they had. We added our flair to it with the smoked chicken and kind of some of the other things that we did. Now, same thing with breakfast. People are coming and are talking about the biscuits that we make and like, oh my God, this reminds me of my grandmother. Mm. So a lot of the success is from the simplicity of some of these dishes that we're adding on. And it's just because people relate to it. You know, yeah. people can relate to their grandmother who cooked a biscuit and had some bacon with it. And as simple as that is, people want to pay for it as long as it's good.
0: Yep.
1: yep. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks again, Michelle. Really appreciate My pleasure. it. All right. Well, yes. Have a good one. You
1: too. Enjoy your night.
0: All right. All right. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be in the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.